Are you embracing the hope you have as a Christian writer? Today's guest provides you with five reasons why hope is available to you in abundance, no matter what life is throwing at you. Stick around. Your best writing life begins in 30 seconds. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Welcome to Your Best Writing Life, an extension of the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Writers Conference held in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb. Each week, I bring you tips and strategies from experts in the writing and publishing industry to help you excel in your craft. And on occasion, I bring in someone who helps us in the area of soul care. This is what we're going to be receiving today. I am so glad that you are listening in. During this episode, you'll learn five reasons Christian writers can have hope. My industry expert is Lori Hatcher. Lori is a women's ministry speaker, author, magazine editor, blogger, minister's wife, and career health care professional. She shares an empty nest in Lexington, South Carolina with her husband, David, and her vast collection of books. Oh, I can so relate to that. Lori is an award-winning Toastmasters international speaker and the author of six devotional books. She's also a blogger, writing instructor, and inspirational speaker. She uses high-impact stories to create transformational messages. As the author of the blog, Hungry for God, Lori writes to help women connect with God in the craziness of life. Ever grateful for the kind people who have helped her along the way, she loves sharing her passion for writing, editing, and speaking at writers' conferences and workshops. Lori Hatcher, welcome to Your Best Writing Life. I'm so happy to be here, Linda. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a joy. It's a joy. You know, Lori, you are such an encourager. You really are. And I know that we have crossed paths at writers' conferences, and it just brings a smile to my face. Every time I see you from a distance, your smile just lights up the room. And what you offer all of us in your writing, in your blog, is truly such an encouragement and very, very inspirational. I appreciate you being on with us today so that we can touch in this area of soul care for writers and offer them the five reasons that Christian writers can have hope. As we go in, I'd like for you to just take a moment before we hit those five reasons, if you would. I feel like there's a struggle in the area of hope today. There's a worldview. There's a view that not everyone shares. And I'd like you just to Talk about that for a moment and however Father leads you in there. Linda, I have the opportunity to talk with many writers at different writers' conferences and writers' workshops and groups, and I've come to realize that behind every successful author are at least three discouraged ones. Maybe they've submitted book proposal after book proposal and only gotten a rejection, 
or they've had a book published, but it didn't earn back its advance, or they've gotten that dreaded negative review. Even successful authors wonder if they can do it again or, or if it's worth the effort. The mm. not yet published one writers wonder if they'll ever see their name in a magazine or on a book spine. Judging from the red marks on their critique paper, maybe uh. they won't. You know, they <laughs> thought God was calling them to write, but now they're not so sure. But as Christians, we have an unwavering source of hope that goes beyond our circumstances, beyond the dynamics of the day-to-day -day life. J.I. Packer, in his book, Never Beyond Hope, differentiates between that worldly hope, like we wish something, you know, oh, I hope something great will happen, mm -hmm. and the biblical hope that we can base our lives on it. I love this quote. He said, optimism is a wish without a warrant. Christian hope is a certainty guaranteed by God himself. Optimism reflects ignorance as to whether good things will ever actually come. Christian hope expresses knowledge that every day of our life and every moment beyond it, the believer can say with truth on the basis of God's own commitment that the best is yet to come. Mm, I love that. I tell you, that is something we can hang our hat on. And yes, knowing, knowing as Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, we have a hope source that we need to embrace every day. And sometimes it's a moment by moment by moment. And knowing that that hope is true and it's not a fly by night. This is what we walk in. And I'm glad that you are bringing us the five reasons that Christian writers can have hope because we are set apart. And we need to recognize that we are set apart and what is available to us. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I greatly appreciate it. Let's go to the first reason that Christian writers can have hope. What do you want to share with us? Linda, this is the primary reason Christians can have hope. And, you know, Christian hope is, is based in God. It's based in God's character, it's based in God's promises, and it's based in God's faithfulness to us and to fellow believers in the past. So we have a firm foundation to base our hope. My favorite reason for hope, and I cling to this every day, is that God is sovereign. Mm -hmm. Ephesians 1.11 says, In Him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. We never have to fear that we, we weren't in the right place at the right time, or, or we got sick and we missed a conference, but our friend went and she met with an editor and she got a book contract and we didn't, or, or we tried to sign up you know, with an editor, an agent at a certain conference, but there were no more appointments, so there went our, ch our chance, or, or maybe our spouse or our child got sick and we had to put our writing on hold and maybe now it's too late. We have to remember that God is sovereign over all the events of our lives, and we can rest in this. Mm. The sovereignty of God 
is, as you said, Lori, it is one thing that I repeat again and again and again. I speak it into my children. I speak it into my own mind and my own heart when I start to struggle and struggling with exactly what you're saying. Oh, is it too late? Am I too old? How can this work? How is God supposed to? And I'm like, God is sovereign. He sees Amen. around every corner. There's nothing that surprises him. And his timing is what we have to depend on. His sovereignty hey, yep. of what is best for us, right? Mm. Yes, but I want to remind us that God's sovereignty isn't an excuse to be lazy. Ooh, we can't good. expect him to bless our work if we're not working. So I just wanted mm. to throw that in there because it's really easy to just say, oh, whatever, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. No, it's it. God blesses the efforts of our hands and he leads us in those efforts. So, you know, we have to be we careful with that sovereignty, too, and not abuse it. That's right. That's right. He's not a genie. I'll just sit here. And if God wants this to happen, he's going to make it happen. Okay. He, he gave us hands, right? He gave us a mind. He gave us the ability to write. And he goes, no, keep doing what you're doing. This is what I've called you to do. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm at work in the background. I'm at work. Yes. You keep working. So I really like that. So the first reason God is sovereign beautiful. Now you say reason number two is that God's plans can't be thwarted. Go ahead and sh share with us on that. I love Job's wise words in Job 42 two when he said, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Everything God intends to do with our writing will happen. Nothing can keep God's plans from happening. I take great comfort in that, and I find great hope. The thought that something can be messed up. I think that we also consider, well, spiritual warfare. It's going to cause what God wants done not to be accomplished. And it tells us right there, no, his plans can't be thwarted. We really have to wake up and stand on that premise, don't we, Lori? We, can, we can't be kind of wishy-washy with that. No, and, and we have the confidence of seeing God's faithful plan from the beginning of time mm. fulfilling mm. itself out. You know, oftentimes we lose hope when corrupt governments or leaders who are godless seem to have so much power over mm -hmm. our laws, over our culture, you know, over so many things. But then we realize that I love the story of Daniel, how God used three pagan kings during the era of Daniel to send exiles back into Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, to resettle the Holy Land, these weren't godly men that somebody voted into office. These were pagan kings, but God's plan would not be thwarted. And when the 70 years of exile were up for the Israelites, they were going back to Jerusalem because that was God's plan and nothing was going to stop that. Right. 
it's the timing thing I think that gets us, Lori. It's oh, our we'll fear get to of, that too. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited, so excited about that. Okay, so let's go ahead and move to reason number three. Reason number three that we can have hope is that God's word never returns void. It always accomplishes God's purpose. Isaiah 55, 11 says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Whether we're quoting Bible verses in a nonfiction blog post or article or book, or, or maybe we're weaving biblical principles and worldviews into our fiction, God's word will accomplish the purpose for which he ordained it. Even if we don't see the results, even when they seem to fall on deaf ears, even when we sometimes get the opposite result of what we hoped for, we can trust that if we are sharing God's word, we are basing our writing on God's word, then it will never return void. It will always accomplish the purpose for which he intends it for. And as writers, it is key for us not to just be researching or studying what we are writing on, but to be sure that we are investing time energy, relationship, in knowing God more. We've got to spend time with God to recognize him, to know him more, to be sensitive to his spirit. And the amount of time that we spend with him, I will tell you, it's going to be blessed and blessed and blessed. You're absolutely right. In order for us to recognize the presence of God's word and that it does not return void. We have to be in his word. It reminds me of a comment I heard Catherine DeVries from Kriegel Publishing make in a workshop at the Blue Ridge Mountain Christian Writers Conference, as a matter of fact. And she said, do not presume to write about God's word unless you are in God's word. Mm. As Christian writers, we should be writing from the overflow of how God fills us up, how he teaches us, how he changes us, how he conforms us to his image. And that's what should splash out on the page. If we approach God's word only as an academic exercise, then we won't have the power that God gives us. We won't have the direction every morning. Before our fingers touch that keyboard, we need to meet with God and ask him, what would you have me to write today? Lead me guide me. And when we hear from him, when we've steeped ourselves in the mm. in his word, then we can trust the promptings of our heart because his spirit bears witness with our spirit. And we can trust that. Amen. Amen. A little hot tea analogy there. If we just dip that tea bag in and pull it right out, we're not going to get much from it. But it's going to we be can, pretty weak. It's going to be pretty weak. <laughs> but if we steep it and allow it to permeate the essence of the, the water in the cup, then when we taste of it, it brings its fullness. And that's what God wants for us in our life. He wants to take up that space. He wants to be the fullness of who we are. Then when we go into the world, when we go to write for myself, if I go to record an audiobook. 
there are times I'll jump in because I'm on a time limit and I go, oh, let me just get this in and get this done. And I'm just flubbing all over my words and I'm going, what in the world? What is wrong? And then my spirit goes, well, I don't know. Did you spend time with me for a moment before you spoke into the microphone? And I have to pause, Lori. And I've asked for forgiveness in that because in full transparency, I just want to get things done. And Father is not going to, you know, he's he's not, he's not going to go according to what I'm thinking. He's like, I've got my ways. See me first. Seek me first. And when I do that, the calmness in my spirit, the shalom that I receive is just amazing. And it's above and beyond description, really. But I feel his presence. And that's truly what I wish to do also in my writing, my speaking, all that I do for him. I want to have that essence of God just so permeating all that I do for his kingdom. So I greatly appreciate that. Greatly appreciate it. We want to have we want to have the John the Baptist mentality when he said, He, Christ, must increase, I must decrease. We we mm-hmm. forget sometimes that we're not, we're just the vessel. Mm-hmm. We we are the vessel that that holds. I like to say that good writing or good speaking creates the black velvet backdrop so that the treasure of the word of God can shine. Mm. I like that. Great visual. Great visual. You say to us, the fourth reason is that God's plan for your writing, for our writing, may look different from our own plan. Kind of where I was almost hitting there. But because (laughs) God is good, his plans are too. That caused me pause. Because God is good, his plans are too. Why don't you bring that to us? God cannot act outside his nature. Mm. So when something comes into our, our life that seems to not be good, sometimes we question. We question God's goodness. We question, is this part of God's plan for me? Surely this can't be from God because it's, it's not good. But, but God cannot act outside of his nature. So if a delay, if a, a uh, as I told someone this week who was sharing that her proposal had been rejected, I said, it's not a rejection, it's a redirection. God has a plan. His plan is good because he is good. So we just need to discover what that is. You know, sometimes God uses our writing, not sometimes, always. Mm. He uses our writing to do a work in us before he uses it to do a work in someone else we if we're going to share a truth or a principle or a story or an experience we have to god has to have fully done his work in us before we're ready to share that with someone else i see that oftentimes because many people write out of a painful experience or a trial or a a tragedy, but they haven't fully worked through the lessons that 
and the truths that God is trying to teach them in that. So the timing mm -hmm. may not be right for that. Sometimes this is God's sole purpose for our writing. I love uh, something Thomas Umstadt often says. He says, sometimes the builder builds the house. Other times the house builds the builder. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many times I have been wrestling through a point of spiritual understanding and writing about it and having to understand it to the depth that I can accurately communicate it to someone else has been the purpose of my writing, that writing has helped me more fully understand and own a truth from God's word. I also remember Alton Gansky saying, if you are ready to accept that your work may never show up on the shelves at Lifeway, but may only be intended to help the person sitting next to you, or I'll add this, in your critique group, in your neighborhood, in your church, then you're ready to write for God. So often we see publication as the goal of writing. Mm -hmm. And that's not wrong, but we miss the opportunities along the way. I don't know how many times I've shared a critique piece in, for example, my Word Weavers group, and someone has said, thank you so much. I needed to hear this tonight. And I think, mm -hmm. I don't know if this is ever going to go anywhere else, but if it doesn't, it has accomplished his purpose. God has not, God's word has not returned void. It accomplished the purpose he had for it. And I can trust that this is exactly what he wanted to do with this piece of writing. So God's plans for our writing may look very different from our plan, but we can trust him because he is good. God's plans will be good as well. Mm, that's so sometimes nice. We may, sometimes we may not be ready to publish a book yet. Maybe right. there are still some areas in our character that God needs to refine. He may need more time to teach us skills that we don't have yet, that we're right. trying to rush ahead of. He may be trying to teach us humility or just the timing for a book or some type of recognition may not be yet. Perhaps God knows the future. He knows mm -hmm. exactly when that book needs to launch. He knows when. He knows within culture, within our world, when the subject that we're writing about can be most effective and most yes. useful. I'll tell you from my own experience, my first book with Our Daily Bread launched in March of 2020. Do you know mm. what happened in March of mm. 2020? Mm. Girl. The world shut down because of COVID. My in-person launch party, the plans just disintegrated because we weren't allowed to gather with more than five people in the state of South Carolina. And I thought, Lord, this is a book I've been working on for four years and it releases the week that COVID shuts the world down. Mm. But you know what happened? When the world shut down, guess where people went? They went to gather online. And so we were able to pivot. And I think I had one of the, the first online 
Facebook Live book launch parties. And <laughs> I had 150 people in attendance at my book launch party. And I was able to share with them that the truths of God's word can carry us through any crisis that we mm. encounter. And I would not have had 150 people at my in-person book launch party. It would have been my family, my grandkids, my neighbors, and my church friends. Maybe my right. work weavers group, I think. But not 150 people. But I was able to share the message that God had given me, that everything we need we can find in God's Word. Mm. And not to mention, we had a blast. We had so much fun. So we can trust that. When God's plans look different than our plans, he knows and we can trust him. We can. He is so good. What a great story. And I, I would venture to say that we have many of our listeners that as they consider this reason, because God is good, his plans are too. And they go, she's right. I had this planned and it didn't turn out the way I thought. And God's plan was so much better. And then we have our fifth reason. God's timing is always perfect. Linda, we really just kind of slid right into that reason with the last reason. Ephesians 1.9 tells us, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Galatians 4 reminds us, that when the time had fully come, God sent his son into the world. God's timing is always perfect because he knows all the dynamics that surround every aspect of our life. Just as God put all the pieces into place to send his son into the world, we can trust him to put all the pieces in place before he sends our writing into the world. Mm. Such truth all the pieces together. That's what he does. And the perfect timing. Again, so many stories. I thought it was over. I thought I was too late. And look what God has done. You know, Lori, a key for me when we recognize God's timing is to verbalize it, to say it out loud. I choose to give God glory for every situation. Like you say, well, I hope that this, no, it's not that at all. It's because of the hope I verbalize knowing this is God. This is what God did. This wasn't postponed. It was, as you said, it was redirected. It was repurposed and it's better than I could have imagined it to be. And I start receiving that quicker the more opportunities that God has given me to wait on him. Yes. And if I wait well, I truly yes. do reap what he wants to bring. And I have to say, Linda, get out of the way. You've done what you're <laughs> supposed to do. He's carrying it. He's, he's got this so much better, Linda, than you, than you could be doing. So be alert, yes. be ready, have your oil in the lamp, be ready to do whatever it is he wants you to do and trust that his timing is perfect. This is, yes. this is great. Well this said. This is great. 
So you've given us the five reasons God is sovereign. God's plans can't be thwarted. God's word never returns void, and it always accomplishes God's purposes. Four, God's plan for your writing may look different from your plan, but because God is good, his plans are too. And then the fifth reason, God's timing is always perfect. You know, Lori, I can look at all of these reasons and I can come into agreement with these reasons. But there may be some times in our life where we have to move our mental agreement into heart agreement with God and to truly embrace that this is truth and this is how I'm going to walk. And in that, I sense that there there has to be a surrendering of some sort on our part to be able to say, God, I'm just going to, I'm handing this to you. I'm handing this to you. And I know that you offer us a prayer of surrender. Can you tell us about that? Linda, if God called us to write, he also called us to trust him with our writing. We have to hold our desires and our abilities up to him as an offering to do with them what he wills. For some, this will mean a book contract and writing success, quote unquote, by measurable standards. For others, it will mean a lifetime of humble obedience, even when we don't see obvious results. So I'd like to just lead our listeners in a prayer of surrender. And I encourage you, wherever you are, if you're driving, please don't close your eyes. God can hear you even if you pray with your eyes open. But just pray with me if this is the desire of your heart. Lord, with open hands, I offer up to you the gifts, talents, passion, and desires you have given me. Use them as you will for others' good and your glory. Help me trust you in all things. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Charles Haddon Spurgeon once shared that New Zealanders have a word for hope that signifies the swimming thought. He used this term to describe the hope God offers, because when all other thoughts are drowned, hope still swims. I hope that the five reasons we've shared here today and a thousand more tucked into the pages of scripture will fill you with all joy and peace and cause you to overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 25, three reminds us, no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. May hope swim in your writing life forever. Hmm. That's what I said encouragement, inspiration based on truth that we can take to the bank. Ah, Lori, so good. So good. Thank you. I'm going to encourage everyone, please go into the show notes and receive everything that we have there for you. I know Lori does have a giveaway, but before we go to the giveaway, 
Lori, I'm going to ask you a question. Your first time guest here on Your Best Writing Life. And I always like to take a little kind of peek behind the curtain into the personal life of our guests. Is there something that you can share with us or what would you like to share with us that we may not read in your bio? Ah, one of my secrets. Well, <laughs> we like <I> edited. <laughs> oh, it's not a secret anymore or it won't be soon. Um, I edited a regional Christian magazine for 10 years and during my tenure, I had the opportunity to interview quite a few famous Christians. Anne Graham Lotz, Stephen Curtis Chapman, my favorite musician, Fernando Ortega. Comedian Tim Hawkins was the scariest because I was so <laughs> afraid I would say something stupid and he'd talk about me in his next comedy show. Hey, this reporter <laughs> one time asked me this dumb question. But the most memorable interview I had was I was preparing to interview Dr. Gary Chapman, the author of the Five Love Languages books, and I read that his love language was acts of service. So I baked him some homemade cookies and I brought them to the interview. <laughs> Later on, his assistant asked me for the recipe, so I guess they were a hit. We had a great interview and we ate cookies together, so... <laughs> Oh, that's so good. You're being aware and you're also, you know, we, we put others first. Darn, that works so good. <laughs> when, we, when we look at, especially with the love languages, right? I mean, fabulous. Everyone, if, you're, if you do not know what your love language is, find out what your love language is. The five love language books, they're amazing. The five love languages, I'll have a link in the show notes for that as well, and discover what they are for your family. Then don't try to feed them your love language. <laughs> Find out what theirs is and feed that. It always turns out to be a win-win, especially if you have good cookies. So what kind of cookies were they? Do you remember? Oh, yes. I have the most amazing recipe for oatmeal pecan cookies. And that's what I made. And they were a hit. Although, you know, I the next time I interview Dr. Chapman, I'm going to suggest a sixth love language. And that would be chocolate. Ah, there you go. You got to add the chocolate in. You just have to add the chocolate in. I may need to ask you for that um, recipe. I think that would be, I'd be glad a to share great it. thing. Great thing to have. So today, our listeners, you have a great giveaway for them. What are you going to offer them? a worksheet of the five reasons Christian writers can have hope. It has the, the principles we shared today. It has the Bible verses that accompany these truths. And it has just a little bit of commentary to remind you why these reasons can give us powerful hope. Mm, I love it. In the show notes is a link. Please make sure that you get your copy of it. And as we wrap up, Lori, your latest book is out. Oh my goodness. Is it going to be a book on hope? I'm thinking so. Refresh your hope, 60 reasons to trust God with all your heart. Ah, tell us about this book. Again, we're talking about God's timing. When, when, I, when God laid the idea for this book on my heart and I pitched it to my publisher, Our Daily Bread Publishing, I wondered, can I find 60 biblical reasons for hope in the scriptures. I love God's word. I spend time in it every day. 
And by faith, I proposed that and they offered me a contract on it. Then I began to dig into God's word to find these biblical reasons for hope. And oh my goodness, Linda, I need to write a volume two or maybe a volume three because God's word is filled with Mm -hmm. solid, proven reasons for hope based in God's character, based in God's word, his promises, and based on his faithfulness to those believers in the past. We can trust him for his faithfulness in the future. First Peter 3.15 says, be ready always to give a reason for the hope that is within you with gentleness and respect. And that was my mission in Refresh Your Hope, 60 Reasons for Trusting God with All Your Heart. Mm, So good. Great books. They really are. We have links to your books, your website, everything that you want to know about Lori Hatcher. Well, probably not everything, but what we can share. We've got links to it in our show notes. So we really do encourage you to take a look and to listen again and again. Be assured my brothers and sisters, that what God has called you to, he will walk through with you. And you do have a hope beyond what the world can offer. And we need to embrace it every single day, sometimes moment by moment. God is faithful. He's trustworthy. And he loves you dearly. And what he has given you to do, he will see it through. We don't worry. We walk in the faith that he has given us. And we come alongside you too. We truly do. So appreciate you being here. And if you're listening today, and this is the first episode of Your Best Writing Life, I'm going to invite you. I'd love for you to join our Facebook group. It's a public group. It does ask you to join. It has three questions on there, but it's Your Best Writing Life, and it's the group on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. I want It'll ask you, where did you hear about this? Say that you heard it from Lori Hatcher's episode, and I just want to welcome you into that. Love to be able to invite you in to the family here. And Lori, just thank you so much for giving of your day, for giving of your time, and such wonderful soul care for us as writers, giving us truth that has also practical application. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me, Linda. It was a joy. We'll have to have you back. So good. So good. And thank you, friends, for joining us. Please take a moment, if you would, to share this podcast with another writer or two. Give us a star rating, post an episode review, and hit that subscribe button or follow button, whichever your podcasting platform offers. I greatly appreciate what you have to say about this episode and this podcast as much as I do in what you choose to write for God's kingdom. So appreciate you. This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being here with you next time on your best writing life.